What were the biggest trends for exercise in 2023? Was it home gyms like during the COVID lockdown days or have we moved on from that? Well, in this episode, we're going to talk about the biggest trends in exercise in 2023 and I'll add my thoughts on where we're heading next. Let's get started. All right, welcome back everybody to the Building Lifelong Athletes Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Renicky. Thanks so much for stopping by. This is going to be a little bonus episode on top of our last season. In this podcast, our goal is to help keep you active and healthy for life through actionable, evidence-informed education. We'll return back to our regularly scheduled podcast series, right? Like kind of doing seasons, but we're just taking a little pause on things due to some time constraints. But we'll be back with an exercise as medicine series. So just hang on for a little bit, but we're going to do a couple of these one-offs in a row here to kind of give a little bit of buffer, but we will get back to that, I promise. And in today's podcast, we're going to talk about the top trends in exercise in 2023 and where I think we're heading in the future. So here we go. So first of all, what is this? Well, this is like an actual survey in published literature, which is kind of crazy. But the ACSM or the American College of Sports Medicine, they sent a survey out to thousands of fitness professionals on what they see in their jobs and what they think trends are. They send people like exercise physiologists, personal trainers, physicians, nurses, dietitians, you name it, lots of people in the healthcare field. And they kind of wanted to make sure that we were talking about trends and not fads. So they kind of described trends as a general development or change in a situation in a way that people are behaving. So just a general trend, you know, I guess you can't say that development. So bigger kind of scheme of things as opposed to a fad where it's kind of activity or interest that is very popular for a short period of time. So they're trying to differentiate between a trend and a fad. They said it was hard to do. They said sometimes they think something's a trend and actually becomes a fad and vice versa. But overall, they're trying to say, hey, we're not just talking about something we saw once on Instagram or we're not. We're saying, hey, what are the things we consistently see people talking about, people you know searching about, all that stuff. And we're going to run through the list here of the top 20 things. We'll go through them and then I'll kind of pick out the ones I thought were most interesting. We'll talk about it. But number one, wearable technology. Number Number two, strength training with free weights. So they kind of talked about free weights includes everything, dumbbells, kettlebells, barbells, all that stuff. But wearable technology, number one, and strength training with free weights. Two, three is body weight training. So right there. Four is fitness programs for older adults. Five is functional fitness training. Six is outdoor activities. Seven, high intensity interval training. Eight, exercise for weight loss. Nine, employing certified fitness professionals. 10, personal training. 11, core training. 12, circuit training. 13, home exercise, gyms. 14, group training. 15, exercises, medicine. A little spoiler there. Put a pin in that one. 16, lifestyle medicine. 17, yoga. 18, licensure for fitness professionals. 19, health and well-being coaching. And 20, mobile exercise apps. So that is the top 20. Let's go through those a little bit here. I kind of thought there's some interesting takes there. So number one was wearable technology. And this is here to stay. You know, a lot of times I talk about how a lot of the wearables we have are unnecessary, Necess- you know, not meaning they're not bad, but don't need them to get the job done, but they're not going anywhere. They've been number one on this list for the four of the last six years. So good or bad, it's happening. I think there's definitely some good from wearables. Like I said, I don't wear a ton of wearables. Occasionally I wear a heart rate monitor, but I said there can definitely be some good things coming from that. It can be good because it can be encouraging for us to be more active. Like people who like looking at their watch and tells them, hey, you need to get up. You've been sitting for too long. You take a break. Hey, you haven't hit your steps yet. Those are good things when we're getting people up and being more active. I love that. It only becomes bad if it becomes pathological, meaning, hey, like, oh, I need to hit my numbers. It's 11 o'clock at night and I need to go run and do some stairs real quick before I go to bed. And that might disrupt my sleep and my kid. And there's so many things like we don't want it to spiral. If it becomes pathologic where it's like taking over your day, that's not necessarily good. But if it becomes a healthy part of your day, we're saying, hey, this helps remind me to be more active in a socially appropriate situation, then I'm okay with that. I also think that can be helpful for determining heart rate when you're doing heart rate-based training. So if you want to know like, hey, where you're at, that's a good idea. If you're trying to hit, you know, maybe some zone two, zone three, and you're trying to figure out, ah, am I in the right zone or whatnot, heart rates can be very helpful to say, hey, this is good, or I'm not working hard enough. That can be helpful. But once again, the biggest thing is I just don't want people to get too obsessed with this. 
overall, I'm pretty indifferent on this, like electronics, it's fine. Um, the big thing I just wanna tell people is you can still get great results without using wearable devices. You know, a lot of people were like, oh, we need my Apple Watch tells me this, tells me that, and those are great. And having data is a good thing. I'm not saying that ever. Obviously, I'm someone who likes having data and I track all my workouts and I track my macros and like, I like those things, but I just wanna encourage people, like you don't have to have a smart device to get going. You know, one is because a lot of times, what do you do with that data, right? Like some of these things like Whoop specifically, they're like, oh, you're in the red today. It's like, well, well, I have time to work out. Like, what am I gonna do, like not work out? Like, no, that's not how it works. But so sometimes it can kind of make, give us information that we don't necessarily need. Um, like I said, the same thing is like, oh, I burned this many calories or this many steps. Like, okay, that's good information. Does it change? I don't know. So, but I, what I really just don't want it to get into is someone who's like, oh, like my life is addicted to this. Like I need to do this, I need that. Like, I don't think that's very healthy. And so like you can use them, you can get results. And another thing I don't like, a lot of these are going to subscription-based model. And so when you're paying subscriptions for information, it makes you feel like you have to do it. And you, like I said, you do not have to, people have been like incredibly fit and jacked and strong for decades without these things. So you can still do it. It's not gonna get you there. This is not something where you're like, oh, this wearable device is the make or break thing like no like it it's not you need to put in the hard work any success that you're going to have in your training journey in your exercise journey is going to come because of the hard work you put in and maybe the technology did help you a little bit i'm not saying that is bad once again i am not saying that at all i like putting on my heart rate monitor every once in a while that is cool um i like tracking things if we're going to run or like i said it is cool technology but you're still having to do the work like if you think hey getting this technology that's gonna be my game changer i would say you're better equipped you know you're better suited just going off and really figure out, hey, where am I lacking the motivation? Like, how do I get myself into the gym consistently? And if a piece of technology does that for you, then that's awesome. That is the job that we're hoping for. That is great. But, but if you're just saying, hey, oh, like, oh, uh, this should do it, and you know full well that's not going to do it, then be honest with yourself. And so, like I said, I just don't want this to be a crutch for someone saying, oh, I need this and whatnot. You can be very strong. You can be very fit without using any of those ever. And that's okay. Number two and three on the list were strength training and body weight training. And let me just tell you, this certainly warms my heart. I love it. People are starting to see how fun and important this is, and it seems to be here to stay. There to be number two and three, it's fully in the public. You know, like I said, that's become a big thing. Gym culture is a thing now, right? We're meeting people go to the gym and they lift and they talk about it. And I love this. You know, I think if even you look back probably a decade or so ago, it probably wouldn't have been this high. I think most people when they think of working out, they thought of, oh, I gotta go for a run. I know growing up, I used to think like, oh man, I'm gonna have to learn how to like running because that's like what you do to stay in shape. And then as I've grown and matured, fortunately I realized that's not necessarily true and there's lots of things we can do. Overall, I do think that resistance training, whether it's body weight or barbells or dumbbells or bands or you name it, whatever it is, I think that's the best bang for your buck for people because of how much variety you get and you can see a ton of physical results. I'm not saying you can't see results with aerobic exercise. Obviously you can. And I'm also not saying don't do aerobic. You know, if you've listened to me, I will harp on that. Please, please, you have to do cardio. It's very important for your heart. It's good for so many things. So that's an aside. But I think the best bang for your buck is resistance training. Because one, people get stronger. It's fun being strong. You can do more functional things. You can pick things up. You're not as tired. Number two is you start to see physique changes. When you get stronger, you a lot of times put on muscle and you like the way you look. And so... I think it's like the best bang for your buck in regards to exercise. And also it's so versatile, meaning, hey, if you lift weights really fast in a circuit, then you're gonna get some cardiovascular training as well. And so if you had to tell me which one to pick for the rest of my life, it would be resistance training. You can do so many things and achieve so much. And so I love that, that is a trend. 
and it is here to stay. I think I don't think it's going anywhere. I think people realize how important it is and how beneficial it is. So two and three made me very happy to see that on the list. Number four, though, was fitness programs for older adults. And I thought it's interesting. You know, not that, you know, this is just what people have been absorbing. That's fine. I think this is basically marketing. I think the concept of a good strength or fitness program is pretty much the same from cradle to grave. Now, I'm not saying, you know, cradle, I mean, you need to get your kid six month old doing bicep curls. But I think the idea of how to build a program for someone doesn't change really based on their age. Yes, there will be some age considerations. Absolutely. I'm not saying that. But like I said, I don't want to just say, hey, like you needed your elderly, you need to do these certain activities. Yes, there will be some that are maybe better suited for them, meaning, hey, maybe some less impact activities for someone who has bad arthritis as they age. Like I said, but at the end of the day, this still applies to everyone. Your good program is going to be, hey, let's see where you're at and let's progress you from there. So let's use some progressive loading. Let's get you stronger in whatever movements you work on. And so Inherently, it's not any different for an elderly person versus a you know teenager or whatnot. It's just the choice of exercise you're gonna do, and then maybe the amount of days you're gonna do frequency. So, like I said, I, I see how this is high, meaning like you know, as we have an aging population, I think it's great that we're trying to get there and do that. But like I said, you don't necessarily have to say, oh, like you have to do this because a lot of times I see these programs for people, and a lot of times they underdose strength. They're just like, okay, go around and do a set of this. And once I said, if you've never worked out, that's totally fine. But like I said, you aren't, you don't just suddenly become this like frail person. Once you start hitting above your sixties or anything like that, you can still lift and be strong and you have to have some consideration. So overall, not mad about this at all. I just feel like fitness program for older adults, maybe it's just good marketing, but either way, if we're getting people to work out, I don't really care. But like I said, I just thought it was interesting that people are targeted specifically for older adults. And after skipping a couple, I want to talk about number eight, which is exercise for weight loss. I thought this was interesting as well. I will cover an entire podcast specifically about exercise for weight loss. But like I said, this is usually not my recommended avenue for weight loss. And what do you mean by like, what are you recommending? I don't exercise. Obviously, you know, I'm not recommending that. But if you bring exercise as your lowest hanging fruit for weight loss, I think you're gonna have a bad time. Meaning like you're saying, hey, I'm just gonna go be on the elliptical for 45 minutes. Like that's going to bring the extra calories I need. Like if you think about it, first of all, I really hope you're not looking at your watch for how many calories you burn. Cause that's not, you know, accurate a lot of the time. We talk about number one, the wearables. That's one thing they don't do fantastically well is telling you how many calories you burn. Cause it's so variable for per person. So that's like it's not great there. And two, if you're like looking at the elliptical or the bike machine in the gym, you're like, Oh, I burned 300 calories. Like odds are you probably didn't. Like, let's just be honest. It's not how it works. That's why I say, I don't think this is your biggest bang for your buck. Obviously, I think you should be exercising for just the inherent benefits of exercise. And then, yes, you will get some calorie burning extra from that. But I think diet is like the biggest dial you need to turn. So if someone's saying, hey, like, what's the best exercise I can do for weight loss? And my number one answer would be like, don't just focus on exercise, like focus on a whole lifestyle change. And that's my biggest thing is like locking your diet and exercise. And that's when you really start to see some big results. And so on top of that, I just think it, it kind of sends the wrong message that, hey, you could exercise your way out of a bad diet. And I don't think that's true. I think the best way to losing weight is getting a caloric deficit. And the best way to do that is through your diet, not necessarily through your exercise. I think it just long-term, you know, tends to show that people don't seem to sustain it quite as much uh, when they just view as exercise as the only dial they have. All right. And next on number 13, unless we have home exercise gyms and this just, this makes me so sad, not because I'm sad about this and all, but I just love a home gym and I get it. I get we're back open after COVID, but clearly this has a place in my heart. Just, I mean, look behind me. You can clearly see 
got a home gym. This is my jam. I love this. I will always say that the benefits of home gym far away anything else. But I get that some people like accountability and the social environment. So I do get that. Like I said, I just wanted to come on this one because it just made me sad because um, I love the home gym. I think there's so many benefits to a home gym. And maybe we can talk all about that in an additional podcast in the future or whatnot. But the biggest thing is accountability, right? And in accessibility. You get up in the morning, your gym is there. There's no excuse. Where, you know, going to the gym takes a lot of effort. You got to coordinate things, whatnot. Obviously, you got to know yourself. If you're someone who's a social person who's like, yeah, I'm not going to work out. If I have the greatest gym in the world, not going to do it. If at my house then cool that's great but if you've never had it before and your life is busy you have kids or you're married like i am like i said those two things will keep you very very busy and that helps me get work out on every single day just having that availability just boom get in get out do that so but like i said that's just more of a joke for me in terms of just like oh i'm bummed to see it going down but it makes sense you know covid it was like the, the hottest thing right everyone wanted a gym it was impossible the equipment all that stuff um little side note i happened to start my home gym about six months before the pandemic. So I built this whole home gym and the pandemic happened. And man, that was really good timing in terms of lifestyle. I don't have the greatest timing in a lot of things, but that was a really well-timed thing. Obviously a global pandemic, never a good time for that at all. But um, from a home gym perspective, like I said, I, I definitely reap the benefits of having that. And like I said, I wouldn't trade that for anything. Number 15 and 16 on the list were exercises, medicine, and lifestyle medicine, which kind of go hand in hand. And that's pretty much like what this channel is all about, both these things. I love, love, love these topics. These are two huge passions of mine. So exercises and medicine is going to be the next podcast series I talk all about. Like I said, it's gonna be in a couple weeks from now, but it's gonna walk through, hey, what does the data show for exercise for weight loss, exercise for cardiovascular disease, exercise for diabetes? How do we treat that using simply exercise? And then lifestyle medicine on top of that is what I preach every single day. It's the necessary nine, it's nutrition, it's sleep, it is stress reduction, it is all those things that I talk about. Lifestyle is like, how do we change our lifestyle to be healthy? And I love these six. My entire practice is built around lifestyle medicine and using exercise as medicine. So. In my opinion, this should be the basis of all primary care. And this is super, super important. So it's fun to see that people are starting to understand, hey, like we can use exercise as a treatment. And hey, it is really important to implement these lifestyle medicine changes, meaning, hey, we, we need to be proactive and not reactive for our health. Proactive meaning we're going out there, we're making changes, we're adjusting things in real time before things happen instead of just waiting for something to happen and then responding with medicines. And so I love to see that that is popular and getting up there. And so those are kind of my take on the big things here. Next, I just want to talk about what are some things I'd like to see in 2024? Well, I'm not, you know, a crazy person. I'm not asking for too much. The biggest thing I want is just more people hitting the physical activity guidelines, meaning like, hey, you're hitting that 150 minutes of moderate or 75 vigorous of aerobic activity with two days of resistance training. Like, that's all I want. I want more people to hit that. That's my dream. And you might be like, what? That, that doesn't sound like a lot. Like, if you start there and at least hit that, then we're you're doing such a good job. There's so many benefits from getting there. I think that is going to be a huge thing. So that's like my goal for 2024 is to see more people do that. And on top of that, where I think a bigger trend will be is personalized fitness. You know, I think a lot of times people have these cookie cutter programs and wearables are happening, right? More and more people are wearing these wearables. They're getting more and more data. I think personalized fitness is going to be the future. Meaning, hey, someone understands, you know, you know, that's what personal training essentially is. It's like, hey, personalized fitness. But now we have additional metrics where, okay, we can kind of mix that in. And in my Perf my personal like preference would be like, hey, you do this in the setting of your doctor's visit, meaning, hey, I talk to you about what are your goals, what are your dreams, and we talk about your fitness plans, we talk about exercise prescription, we talk about you know getting lab work and kind of adjusting it there. And so I think more and more we'll start to see that. I'm not sure how much we'll see it in 24 necessarily. But that's something I'd love to see is understanding, hey, in a medical system, we have kind of like the gym as like the base. If you think a big pyramid, the gym is the base where that's where most things happen is, you know, we understand nutrition and exercise and sleep. And like we have those things and we talk about those. And then we have, you know, access to medical things. We kind of had to do routine care. If you have things come up, we can talk about it. But like for me, that would be my ideal of 
the healthcare clinic of the future. And like, I'd love to see that. But as we learn more and more, we have more and more data available. I think personalized fitness and recovery and nutrition, all those things are going to start to happen. That being said, we are not there yet. Uh, people will say, hey, you need to eat this diet for your genes. And I just haven't seen the data there that shows that that actually matters yet. Meaning, oh, look, based on the genes, I shouldn't eat X, Y, or Z. And I've not seen the data to back that up yet. And so we're not there yet, but I'm hoping that we start to creep in that direction. All right. And there it is. Thanks so much for listening all the way through. I really appreciate it. And that's just kind of my take on an interesting article that I ran across saying, hey, what are the trends? And overall, I think I agree with the biggest trends. You know, the biggest trends out there are things that are really good things. The biggest thing um, I think is just being physically active. You know, those are two and three with resistance training. But like I said, those are really, really big. I want to just hammer that home. But that's the end of this podcast. Thanks so much for following along. I really appreciate it. Now get off your phone, get outside, have a great rest of the day. We'll see you later. Disclaimer, this podcast is for entertainment, education, and informational purposes only. The topics discussed should not solely be used to diagnose, treat, or prevent any condition. The information presented here was created with an evidence-based approach, but please keep in mind that science is always changing, and at the time of listening to this, there may be some new data that makes this information incomplete or inaccurate. Always seek the advice of your personal physician or qualified healthcare provider for questions regarding any medical condition.